Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher. One who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. This mission reflects the core ways of being that I work to develop in teachers. Confidence, clarity, purpose, impact, and connection. Through my mentorship program and my premier offer called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field and beyond, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, please see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hello, and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 72. So today I'm going to share a quick primer on how muscles work. Now, this can be a point of confusion for teachers. So it's helpful to go through it uh, together here. And it's also something that gets referred to a lot in teaching with words like strengthen or lengthen or phrases like contract your, and you can kind of fill in the blank for whatever muscle the person might be referring to. So I think it's really important that you understand some of the essentials around the mechanics of how muscles work. Now, I want you to be confident in what you're sharing in class. And one of the best ways to build your confidence is to really know the mechanics and detail behind what you're saying. And that's been such a huge part of everything that I share and I always, you know, kind of share that as the underpinning or the underlying logic um, for why I so believe in my approach to working with teachers around this theme that, you know, your confidence and kind of the key to your confidence in so many ways lies in really putting the knowledge behind what you're saying rather than just repeating what you were told. Now, before I go further, I just want to take a pause because I know we are all dealing with the impact of the coronavirus in our lives. And I hope as you're listening to this, you are well and your family and your loved ones are well as well. Now, if you are not well or someone you uh, know or love is ill, I am sending you a virtual hug and thoughts of strength right now. Now, while I am fully committed to continuing to move forward in all ways possible. And for me, while I continue to keep my energy high by really focusing every day on doing high frequency things like meditation, running, yoga, journaling, and running my business. 
I know that it would be completely tone deaf to not acknowledge that as a nation, we are still very much managing life around the presence of this outbreak. I continue to share my best advice on it by just sharing from my heart and what's worked for me. And that is stay away from the news, do as many high vibration, high frequency activities you can. And that includes for teachers investing in your learning now more than ever. I know people have kind of used this phrase, oh, it's a great distraction. But you know, your learning should never be a distraction. It should be an essential part of your life. You know, I'm currently reading a book on neuroscience and there is absolutely no age at which you are incapable of learning. So that, you know, age old phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks is untrue. And if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, I'm too old to learn anatomy or I've been teaching too long to learn anatomy, completely untrue. And in fact, learning is a great way to build new neural pathways, to leverage one of the qualities of the brain known as neuroplasticity, to keep yourself alert, to keep your brain healthy. So, you know, here on the podcast and in my work with teachers, it's not just, you know, hey, learn anatomy and invest in your knowledge as a teacher to grow as a teacher and to grow your impact in your business, but also to keep your brain healthy. So, you know, again, that kind of what a great distraction, which I know is something we're looking for right now. Um, I kind of think of Netflix as a distraction. I think of investing in your learning as an essential part of life uh, now and forever. So I would say, you know, as far as what's going on right now and you know, what you're juggling energetically and in your mind and your body, uh, it's a great time to invest in ongoing learning as a teacher. Now, kind of along those lines, I want to share with you some exciting news. I have formalized the bare bones yoga training path for teachers, and I want to unveil it here in this episode. Now you can find more on my website as I've added two new sections on my website in the four teachers section. And one is called the Blueprint Learning Program graduate page. And the other section is called the Bare Bones Yoga certification page. Now, this has been a long time for me to define what I want to offer teachers. And I've always wanted it to be somewhat unique and a little bit niche, meaning rather than a general 300 or 500 hour training, something that more meets a specific need. So over the past several years, as I've heard the same refrain over and over from teachers, I just didn't learn anatomy in my 200 hour training. That really helped me kind of gel on what I wanted to offer. So that feedback coupled with my passion for making anatomy understandable for teachers with my signature approach to what I teach and how, that became the basis for how I define my training path for teachers. It starts with a teacher completing a 200 hour program of their choosing. This gives them a solid base of general understanding when it comes to yoga teaching. 
It then continues with their enrollment into my signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, where they will be taught the fundamentals of anatomy and how to apply it to teaching through the specific tactical skill of cueing. Once through this program, which includes the course and live coaching calls, as well as my uh, anatomy manual, they will go through a final exam process with me, which is a live coaching call where I'll ask them questions. We'll have some conversation about the content in the course, how they've applied it to their teaching. Uh, we'll do some practice teaching. And after that final exam process, they'll graduate from the Blueprint Learning Program and be listed on my website as a graduate. So this will give them recognition. Anyone that comes to my website will see that they are a graduate. They can list anything they want for contact information. So it can be a way for them to build out their business as well on a referral basis. Now from there, if they wish to pursue further skill development, personal development and business development, they can apply for the six month mentorship program, which includes monthly one-on-one -on -one coaching with me. I'm running this program right now with several teachers. Uh, anytime email and phone support, ongoing assignments from me for growth and uh, development as well, and ongoing inspirational content, more on the personal growth side, as well as practice teaching sessions with me. And this is all done virtually uh, via, via video conference call. And then at the end of the six months, there's an in-person day where we do something fun, like go to a spa, have some nice lunch, take a yoga class together, and then sit down for some conversation and some practice teaching. Now, each month's call as part of this program includes anatomy training as well. So they get additional supplemental anatomy learning beyond what was learned in the Blueprint Learning Program. And then upon completion of the mentorship, they are certified bare bones yoga teachers in anatomy and teaching. So this specific certification acknowledges that they have put in the time and they have gained the knowledge to know the anatomy behind the cues they share, to build sequences with anatomy in mind, to be skilled at customizing yoga for different kinds of students in a safe and accessible way, and that they've gained confidence and a sense of purpose through the personal development work that's part of the program. So from there, they're certified and the annual recertification requirements include some pro bono work, so being uh, of service, charity work, teaching at least one class per week, attendance at a discount at my annual retreat, and ongoing learning tasks. So this program is for teachers who are looking to develop into mission-driven, purpose-inspired teachers. No excuses, those who are all about what's possible for them if they apply themselves fully. Those who are open to a different learning path from the standard, simply as an adjunct to the more traditional training path currently most taken, specifically because they've decided the skill areas covered in my programs are lacking for them. And rather than invest in another general training, they wanna distinguish themselves with a specialized one. So if this training path sounds like it would be perfect for you, or maybe you'd just like to learn more about it, 
DM me on Instagram, barebonesyoga. You can also send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. And know that you can sign up for the wait list for the Blueprint Learning Program, which you just heard is the first step in my training path. And that's just right on my website. You can sign up for the waitlist for that program and you'll be one of the first to find out when I open enrollment as I do several times during the year. So now that I've given you those updates, I want to get into talking about muscles as a functional part of human anatomy. So let's first look at a muscle itself. And, you know, I mean, if I just say to you, hey, think about a muscle, you know, maybe one comes to mind in particular, or maybe just kind of an overall picture of the body, not so much just the bones, but the muscles. Now, I want you to keep in mind, there are many levels of detail that we can go to when we look at muscles themselves. Part of what I love to do is help teachers learn anatomy by sharing the essential information they need to understand rather than diving into all the detail of every topic. And this is absolutely where I see teachers get stuck or not so much stuck, but kind of caught up. They buy books that really dive too deep into details. They go into YouTube videos and articles that go so subterranean that they lose the sense of the forest for the trees and they continue to kind of be stuck in that overwhelmed, I don't get it mode. So as such here, as we're having this conversation, there's a framework around this idea of muscles that we'll use um, as for this conversation, and we're gonna use it so that you can take away the essential information and remember it a lot easier. So let's first look at muscles themselves. When we are talking about muscles here in the context of yoga practice, we're referring to skeletal muscles. So these are muscles that create movement. And maybe you're thinking, well, gee, is there any other kind? Well, <laughs> there is. So you have cardiac muscle, which is in your heart, and you have smooth muscle, which lines your organs. And those muscles are involuntary. You're not thinking about contracting muscles of your heart or muscles in your liver or stomach to process your food, but you are using your nervous system in a voluntary way to move your limbs. So the uh, gross motor movements that we're making with these skeletal muscles, that's, those are the muscles we're looking at primarily when we study muscles in the context of yoga or fitness, that, that those areas. Now, when we describe a muscle, we describe it, of course, by its name. And I think this can also be where teachers sometimes get hung up because the words don't always reflect words that we're used to saying. So if I say to you infraspinatus, you might say, la, 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 what? <laughs> you know, if I say to you quadriceps, you might say, oh yeah, I, I've heard of that. You might not be able to describe it, give its origin and insertion or even its function, but you've probably heard the term. If I said to you levator scapula, even if you'd never heard it before, you could probably make out a little bit about what it does because the word levator kind of sounds like elevator and the word scapula 
is, a, is the correct term for shoulder blade, which most people know. So you can see, depending on the name of the muscle, you might be able to kind of figure it out or you might not. And I think that is, again, another area where it can get confusing for teachers is that some of the words are just unfamiliar words. Um, so we can describe it by its name. And then we can also describe uh, its location and its action. Now, its location is described by its origin and its and insertion. That's, those are the two kind of formal names, origin and insertion. And its function is often described by its primary action and then the other actions it does. Now, this is an important point because again, in thinking of things in a framework so you can wrap your arms around this huge topic, I want you to focus on learning the primary action of muscles as your main goal. You're gonna have plenty of time over the years <laughs> to learn secondary and even tertiary functions. Now, for some topics that I share in my Blueprint Learning Program, I actually do share secondary and other functions if it relates to key muscles as it applies to applying anatomy to practice scenarios. But for the general learning of the muscles, I want you to be comfortable with the name, the origin, the insertion, and the primary action. So that is a really helpful framework that will make the understanding of muscles much easier and much more manageable. Now, Muscles can have many different kinds of shapes. Some are narrow and almost kind of probably like what you'd imagine, a straight line going from point A to point B. These muscles, these kinds of muscles in this kind of shape have a really specific origin and insertion. So for instance, if we're talking about the rectus femoris, part of your quadriceps complex, running from the iliac spine, which is part of your pelvis, to the patellar tendon, which is the part of the quadriceps where all the foreheads converge onto the knee. Other muscles are broad. So for instance, when you think about the latissimus dorsi, if you've never seen a picture of it, it's a really broad, flat muscle. And it runs from the lower back all the way up to your humerus. And then when you think about another broad muscle like the transversus abdominis that literally runs around the center of your body, giving integrity and tone to your center, it's kind of like a corset or like a big sash, a big thick sash you'd wear around your body. So their shapes are quite different. You know, I had a chance a couple of years ago to go to uh, a lab, a, a cadaver lab in Arizona and do a cadaver dissection. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. It's relevant here because in the context of that cadaver dissection, which is an opportunity to work with untreated donors who just recently passed. So you're, you're literally working from someone who just passed away and doing all the dissection yourself uh, with the others in your group. And so you really gain um, a tremendous appreciation for the different shapes of muscles and an invaluable appreciation for how they are arranged in the body, how they're layered, how they're close to one another, how um, 
the fascia envelops them, how their texture is quite different depending on the muscle itself and how the quality of their tissue can be very different too. It's really a big reveal when it comes to the impact of lifestyle on health when you look at bone, muscle, fascia, and other connective tissue quality. So, you know, I walked away from that experience not only more knowledgeable, but really with a renewed dedication to just taking care of myself. So now that we've covered origin, insertion, and shape, we can move on to looking at function. So when we look at muscular function, we can describe several kinds of contractions that muscles can create, which can result in different actions upon the bones and the overall skeleton. Because remember, at the end of the day, the muscles, skeletal muscles, they're acting upon bones to create movement. And that movement is occurring at the joint. So the muscles are creating the action that is resulting in the movement at the joint and that's resulting in the limbs moving. So if you think about it all in the context of yoga or just moving around during the day, that's kind of the framework for what we're talking about. Now, one overall idea I want you to keep in mind uh, first before we go further. In order for movement to occur in the body, muscles need to work together in a coordinated way. This means that when one is shortening, the neighboring muscle needs to lengthen somewhat to allow for movement. So think of it like this. If you and another person were facing each other and had your palms pressed together, you would never move if you each applied the same amount of force in opposite directions, right? Someone's gonna have to give a little in order for you both to experience some movement. This is how muscles work as well. When one wants to move in a particular way, the other one nearby has to give a little or no movement will occur. So let's look at it further in terms of types of, in terms of different types of contractions. So in a concentric contraction, the muscle tension stays the same, the length changes, and the force the muscle exerts can overcome the opposing force or the, the force the muscle is exerting is opposing, is overcoming the opposing force. So that might be uh, the neighboring muscle or maybe there's some kind of load being applied like a weight. So let me just go over that again. So in a concentric contraction, the muscle tension stays the same, the length of the muscle changes, and the force of the muscle overcomes the opposing force. And that opposing force could just be the neighboring muscle's action, or maybe there's some load being applied. Now, movement occurs in this kind of contraction, and this movement is considered the muscle just doing its job. It's what I want you to be sure you know most of all. What is the function created when a muscle does its job? And I'm talking here about its primary role. So if we look at the muscle we talked about before, the rectus femoris, it straightens the knee and it flexes the hip. And it has those two primary functions because it crosses two joints. So right out of the gate, I already picked an example that adds a little bit of a level of complexity, but we're still honing in on saying 
what's the primary role here of this muscle? So here we can say rectus femoris, uh, running from the pelvis to the patellar tendon. Um, when it concentrically contracts, when it overcomes the force of the opposing muscle, uh, or when it overcomes that plus any load applied. So like, let's say you had some kind of resistance band on your foot, it's going to uh, straighten the knee and flex the hip. Okay, so another one, eccentric contraction. In an eccentric contraction, the muscle tension remains the same, the length changes, so that's the same as before, and the force of the muscle in this case is actually less than the opposing force. So it's a muscle that is lengthening, but still contracting nonetheless, because there has to be some level of contractibility. It's not like the muscle is just passive. So this is often described as a contraction that slows the rate of the concentric contraction being done by the prime mover. So in yoga, an example of this would be when you come into chair pose, you're bending your knees, so your hamstrings are the prime mover, but you're not allowing yourself to drop to the floor on your seat. You're hovering above the floor. So something is slowing that rate of hamstring contraction, and that's the muscle that does the opposite or straightens the leg, which is in this case, the quadriceps. So you can also look at this from the perspective of you could also look at chair pose from the perspective of the hips are moving into flexion and the psoas would be the prime mover there. And the gluteus maximus would be eccentrically contracting as the gluteus maximus is a hip extensor muscle. So many times kind of taking this a little bit further or in a different context, many times in the fitness setting, we talk about working muscles in a negative, right? I'm doing negatives. You might've heard that, which means that rather than only looking at building strength as you move into the concentric contraction, you look at building strength by moving slowly through the eccentric one. And actually uh, there's a lot of uh, evidence out there to support that muscles actually get stronger eccentrically versus concentrically. So for instance, let's say you were doing biceps curls. You'd move slowly as the bicep moved down towards the floor as a way to work that eccentric lengthening of the triceps. If you were doing it in a yoga practice, if you were doing high push-up, moving to low push-up, you'd move slowly as you move towards the floor. And that would give you, um, that would give you a sense of moving slowly towards the floor and again using your triceps eccentrically to slow down that movement. And then the last type of contraction is an isometric contraction. And this is where the muscle tension may change, but the length stays the same. So remember in the other two examples, isometric, um, concentric and eccentric, the length is changing, right? Because the muscle is getting longer or shorter. Here, isometric, the length stays the same and the bones don't move. So this is a static position. Let's say you're holding one leg up in the air. 
Now, one more thing. I, I kind of intentionally don't go into this aspect of muscle contractions because I think it's a bit beyond what you need to know to be able to share correct, powerful, clear anatomy-based cues. But since we're here, let me just kind of put a bow on this by sharing a bit more. When we look at the contractions muscles are making, they are happening at the level of muscle fibers in a structure known as the sarcomere. Now, you might not have heard of sarcomere, might not be able to describe it, but most people understand that muscles are made up of fibers. Like that's just kind of out there in conversation, even social media posts about fitness and yoga, you know, muscle fibers is kind of part of the vernacular. Now, a simplistic but effective way to understand what's happening is that when a contraction occur, when a contraction occurs, is that these muscle fibers are sliding against each other and they get closer upon concentric contraction in this unit called the sarcomere and further apart when lengthening. So all of that is a bit of an overview. We did muscle terms, concepts, and how to apply it to movement. So let's take a quick look at the application of this to teaching. So now that you know more about muscles and their actions, you can start to be a little more discerning when you use cues like lengthen, strengthen, contract, relax, stretch, or even something like squeeze. In order for the cue to be a learning tool for your students, it's necessary that you frame it for them, just as we've discussed things here. So in other words, if you were to use a word like strengthen as a cue, that would refer primarily to a concentric contraction. Now, I know eccentric is strengthening too, but here in cueing, it's more referring to the primary action unless you are specifying something different. So you're framing it for your students to allow you to use strengthening in that context correctly. But in the normal concentric contraction, equals strengthening, it would mean that whatever action you're having them do is an action that's created by the muscle that's doing the work. It's the concentric actor. It's the prime mover. It's the agonist. So that would therefore mean that you know what that is, right? If you don't know what muscle is creating the concentric contraction, how can you say strengthen, right? This is often where teachers get tripped up. They'll jump ahead and they'll use the descriptor word without knowing the underlying muscle involved or anything about it. This is where things can get confusing for students and on some level, the teacher most likely knows they are just repeating something and they don't really know the underlying why behind it. So let me give you a further example. Let's say you were to say, strengthen your core in upward dog. What muscle would you be referring to? Because honestly, in the back bend that is upward dog, you're lengthening the rectus abdominis, not concentrically contracting it. And that's the muscle that runs up the midline from the pubic bone to the sternum and is the spinal flexor muscle. So in spinal extension of up dog, you're definitely lengthening that muscle. Now, does that mean there's no integrity in the core muscles at all? Of course not. Things work together. But does it mean you want to say strengthen your core and up dog and give people the impression you want them to do things that are contractile actions like pulling their belly button into their spine or squeezing their core or things that refer to shortening, right? If we think of those, those fibers at the sarcomere level, not likely. Now, I'm not going to go into this in major detail, but if you are confused or you have a different uh, perspective on this or questions, just DM me or email me and we could talk about it further. So this leads me to one more thing before we wrap up. 
Last week, at the request of several teachers in my anatomy work group on Facebook, or really, it was their confirmation that my idea was of interest, I created a free training with four videos. This training gives you my system for understanding cues, and it's exactly what we're doing here. We're looking at a cue and we're working backwards from what we hear to what we know or we uncover that we don't know. And the idea of understanding this system and how to apply it is to give you a system so you're empowered. It's to empower you to know what you don't know and then give you the, the with that knowledge, you can go out and fill in that learning gap rather than going on and taking training after training and wondering why you still don't feel confident when you teach and feel like you know anatomy. So to get this free training, DM me on Instagram, email me, karen at barebonesyoga.com, see my Facebook page. I've been posting about it since I created it a couple of days ago, or I'll include it as a link to the show notes, which you can see via this podcast episode on my website. Now, one more thing. I am offering you a spot on my podcast to share what you thought about this training. If you will commit to doing it within the next two weeks, so by May 15th, this should give you plenty of time to sit for one hour and watch the videos, print out the template, and see what you think. This is an opportunity for you to learn and to stop that endless cycle of trainings that aren't giving you what you might need and to share what you learned even if you might say, hey, I already knew this. But my thought is you're gonna go through this training and it's gonna bring up a lot for you. And I would love to have you on the podcast. I can interview you, we can go through some examples and you can share questions you had, any thoughts you had, things that you already knew that were confirmed by the template. This is an opportunity for you to uh, come on the podcast, be with me, have a conversation share what you know, ask questions, have a really good dialogue, dialogue that's not only going to serve you, but it's going to serve your fellow teachers. So we've reached the end of the podcast today. Uh, I did mention my anatomy work group on Facebook. If you're not part of that group, uh, you can go on Facebook, look for the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm looking for serious teachers only. I'm not looking for, hey, I just want to be in another Facebook group. I'm looking for teachers who are looking to interact, who have questions they want to post, who will interact on posts that I have. Um, you know, I'm almost at a thousand teachers and quite frankly, I'm thinking of shutting it off at a thousand. I really want to keep the group as interactive as possible. And the bigger it gets, the harder that gets. By the same token, I'm looking for teachers to join who are inquisitive, who are open to learning, who are willing to kind of, you know, raise their hand on a virtual level um, and, and contribute. And also know that if this all sounds like you, when you apply to be part of the group, you have to answer an admission question. If you don't answer that question, I'm not gonna process your application. I'm just gonna decline you for the group. Um, I know some people have said, oh, I don't see that question when I look at it on mobile. I'm not sure that's a Facebook issue. I'm just sharing with you that it's part of what I'm trying to do in terms of 
being sure that it's a teacher joining the request joining the group and they're really looking to learn something and they can kind of stand up for themselves and articulate hey this is what i'm looking to learn and i'm looking to make a contribution and i'm not going to self-promote and i'm looking to be part of this group something kind of intelligently put together so if that's all you and that sounds like you absolutely bare bones yoga anatomy work group love to have you so uh, that's it. That's the end of this episode. Again, I want you to stay well, do things that keep your vibration really high. I actually uh, just got some supplies in. I'm going to teach myself how to knit, which on and off throughout my life, I've done that. And I'm also going to take on learning Italian. I watched uh, Under the Tuscan Sun, which I would absolutely recommend if you're looking for a really good uh, older movie that will uh, just be a fun thing to watch. Um, and so those are two new things I'm going to be doing to kind of keep my mind active and build new neural pathways and add value, uh, to my days. Um, and I encourage you to do the same and I would love to hear what it is. So feel free to go on social media, give me an update, what's going on with you and what you're doing to keep your vibration high, because it will definitely inspire others. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. And I'll see you on the next episode. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian. And I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my mentorship program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.